Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In Paul's marvelous letter to the Christians in Rome, he puts forth in a very systematic way his understanding of the gospel of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it really deals with this issue of sin. The famous verse that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in chapter 3 really encapsulates what's going on. It's not just an issue of doing better that's the gospel. The gospel is an issue of dealing with this very element of sin. And so often we have a similar notion of sin as did perhaps those within the first century, where sin was just kind of viewed as breaking the law, doing something wrong. Sin was really an existential thing. But when Paul comes along and notably here in his letter to the Romans, he personifies sin and says, wait a minute, sin is more than just breaking a rule, overstepping your bounds. Sin is actually something within us. And that is the heartbeat of this particular message. I want to show in this message how the law of the Spirit of Life has freed us pertaining to many, many items in this department of sin. Item number one is that the Spirit of the Lord, because of the work of Christ, has freed us from the penalty of sin. So number one, we are absolutely accepted by God the Father, and we are declared righteous and just as if we have never sinned. And that deals with this issue of the penalty of of sin. Number two, the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus also now deals with this person of sin. It may sound a little strange initially to your ears, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul personifies sin. And sin has personal pronouns, if you will. It's as though sin is not just what I do. Sin is a living entity, a kind of a person that lives within me. And this is the gospel. This is what the spirit of life in Christ Jesus does for us. He frees me not only from the penalty of sin, but he frees me from the clutches and the usurpation of this person of sin living within me. But number three, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus further frees me from the power of sin. I am free from the penalty, free from the person, and thirdly, I am free from the power. That authority sin had over me is completely released from my life because of the blood in the accomplishments of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Number four, 
there is also this ongoing practice of sin. These habits that over a lifetime you accumulate that just becomes so natural. And the freedom that is afforded us in the work of Jesus Christ is also to be liberated from the practices, these habitual natural tendencies within us. We can be free from the penalty of sin, the person of sin, the power of sin, and the practices of sin. This is an absolute work of the Spirit of God because of Jesus Christ. Religion cannot free you from the penalty or the person or the power or the practices of sin. But in this lesson, I also address that even though you and I are free from the penalty, the person, the power, and the practices of sin, we are not yet free from the residual presence of sin in our lives. As a Christian, it's not as though I believe into Christ and then all of a sudden my life is squeaky clean, never to sin again. And we will end our session here in 1 John and we will learn that if you say you're without sin, you are really deceived. I am free from sin, but there still is this presence, this residual sin within me that um, forces me in a way to live humbly before God, to live dependent on the Holy Spirit, and to, to really live alert and sober and aware. So come with me and let's again see what this life-giving Spirit is all about and how He has freed us from these four things, the penalty of sin, the person, the power, and the practices of sin, but not from the presence of sin until we raise in the resurrection one day. Praise the Lord for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who has freed me from the law of sin and death. Sin is personified by Paul as a person that has influence over me. Sin is also personified by Paul as a kind of a power that can dominate over me. And sin is furthermore presented as a kind of a habitual practice that you can live in. So... According to the gospel, I should not only be free from the penalty of sin before God, but I should also be free from sin's person over me. We'll unpack that. Sin's power over me and the, the habit, the practice of sin. And this is the question. Can I be free regarding a fallen person living inside of me? Can I be free regarding a foreign power that lords over me? 
Can I be free from just these habitual practices? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. Before God, I'm free. And before the influence of a fallen enemy of God, a, a person no less, I can also be free. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. And I want to show you just a few things here to show how sin is not just something you do. Sin is a kind of a person. It's a kind of a entity. It's a, it's a force. It's a living dynamic within a person. It's not just something that you do. In Romans chapter 7, Paul personifies sin. And I want you to notice quickly uh, verses 8. It says, But sin, seizing the opportunity. Notice how he personifies sin. Sin is not just something that I did. Sin is something within me that grasped for an opportunity. It took advantage of an opportunity. He's describing sin as he might a person. Look down to verse 11. Sin seized the opportunity. Sin took a hold of that opportunity. It's not just something that I do. It's as though sin is a kind of a person. Sin is a kind of a living entity. If you come to verse 17, he says, It's no longer I that work it out. He says, But there is this sin that dwells within me. So sin can snatch the opportunity. Sin can seize and grasp. And sin, sin can also dwell. Can you see the personification of sin? Is everybody with me? Look at verse 20. But if what I do not will, this I do, it is no longer I that work it out, but it is actually sin that dwells within me. Sin is dwelling within me. If you come to verse 23, he's going to describe the power of sin. He says, I see a different law within my body, in my members, and it wars against the law in my mind. And it makes me a captive to the law of sin, which is in my body. Notice how he says sin is a kind of a person that grasps. It, it, it dwells within me. But here he says sin is also a kind of a power. That there's a law within me. There's a regulation within me. There's a kind of a dominant, usurping lording power within me. So the average Christian's view of sin is just, I did something wrong. And yeah, sin is doing something wrong. But here, Paul is not just saying the spirit of life has set you free from wrongdoing. Paul goes much deeper than that. He says the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, this law of the Spirit of Life, can set you free from this living, powerful entity within you. Not just wrong doing, but wrong being 
Look again here, he says in uh, verse 25, But thanks be to God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, with my mind I serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. Sin is a person. Sin is the nature of the devil himself. Sin is the nature of God's enemy. And that sin came into Adam and his wife. And that sin nature has been passed on to all men. We know that from Romans chapter 5. Because you're born of the likeness of man, Adam's nature that he received from Satan himself, that sin and death nature has passed on to you and I. And that lives inside of me. It's not just something that I do wrong. It's that my very person, my very being, has been usurped by the life of another being. Can you all follow with me? So listen carefully. I say it this way. What is sin? What is sin? The average person would say sin is to cuss. Sin is to steal. Sin is to fill in the blank. And I would say, amen. That is sin. But it's deeper than that. Sin is Satan's intrinsic nature. It's it's a nature that lives within me. And even though the original nature within me, the human nature, wants to do good. Because in my mind, there's a desire to do good. There is a desire to please God. There is maybe even the desire to worship God. There's the law of good in my mind. But Satan's intrinsic nature has come into my being also. And it every time trumps the good in my mind. So yes, I want to do good. But there's a kind of a nature within me, a person within me, if you will. There's a power within me that will twist and pervert any and everything to lock me up in sin and death. Now here's the question. What is the gospel? Many of us would say, and and rightfully so, the gospel is to forgive me from cussing, from dishonoring my parents. The gospel is to forgive me from stealing. Thank you, God, that you forgave my act of stealing. But we know that there's more to the story than just stealing. Because what is stealing? Stealing is just covetousness in action. So yes, God forgives me from the penalty of stealing. Thank you, God. But the gospel has to go deeper than just to forgive me for for cussing. Because why do I cuss? I am angry. Do you all follow with me? So Jesus would even say it's not just about... um, murdering my brother, it's about anger within. Because anger is murder begun. So what is freedom? What is the gospel? It's not just to forgive me from the trespass, the offense, the act. The gospel has to go deeper. If I cannot be free from the person of sin in me and the power of sin in me, then I need another gospel probably. 
Now, come with me to the back end of the Bible, to 1 John chapter 3, and I want to talk to you about the practice of sin. This is another issue here. The question at hand is, can I be free from the penalty before God? The answer, according to Paul, is absolutely. Righteousness, just forgiveness. Amen. But let's go deeper. Can I be free from the usurping, domineering person that lives within me, that ceases, that dwells within me called sin? Can I be free from that power? And furthermore, can I be free from these habitual practices of sin? Where sin, yeah, takes advantage of me and then causes me to live out everything contradictory than what I want to do. That's the issue for Paul. And according to his gospel, I can also be free from the person, the power, and the habitual practice of sin. Praise the Lord. First John chapter 3. Let's pick it up here in uh, verse 1. Let's just read from verse 1 a little bit. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. Amen for being released from the penalty and being accepted by the Father and being now a child. Because of this, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been manifested what we will be, but we know that when He is manifested, we will be like Him because we will see Him even as He is. And everyone who has this hope within Him, seeing the Lord, He purifies Himself. He, he submits to the sanctification process, even as He is pure. It's kind of like a bride that's engaged. She keeps herself pure for her man. The man keeps himself pure. It's not like he sleeps around until he, he marries that woman. It's not like I just do whatever I want till I see God and commit spiritual adultery, if you will. I'm engaged to God. I'm betrothed to God, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 11. And so I keep myself pure. That is, I keep myself devoted and, 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 and single towards God for the remainder of my life. I, I don't deviate and entertain other options. I'm for the Lord because God is for me. So he says, everyone then, verse 4, who practices sin, practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Notice that word practice. And you know that He was manifested that He might take away sins. And sin is not in Him. Beloved, listen, the context here, listen carefully, is that we can practice sin. And that's what we did before God. And here He says Christ actually came to do away with the power of sin to just make you locked up in the practices thereof. Like your lifestyle can change because of the gospel. Christ came to deal with this issue of sin. Not just what you did wrong, but its very nature within you that has enslaved you to its practices. That's why Romans 6 says, 
You can now give your body unto righteousness. You don't have to practice lawlessness. You don't have to give your body to sin and death. You owe the flesh nothing. You can be totally free. And that's what the law of the spirit of life is supposed to do in us. So Jesus has come not just to deal with the penalty, but with the person, the power, and the practices of sin. People say, and of course this was an argument in the book of Romans. Well, the gospel is so good, I'm free from the penalty, so um, I'll just live in sin so grace can increase. Since God is not mad at me, let's just do whatever we want. There is mercy, there is forgiveness. Paul says, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You have a wrong perception of sin. Sin is not just doing wrong. Sin is a power over you that can, you can actually be free. And people didn't understand that. So they would say, well, I'm going to mess up anyway. I'm going to get drunk anyway or, or, or sleep around anyway. I just do what I want because God's going to release me from the penalty. Paul says, no. Sin is a person in you. It's an entity within you that can cease and dwell and usurp and derail. And the Spirit can even set you free from that so that you now live righteous. You live a sanctified life. You're not under the power of sin and death. You're under the power of the life-giving Spirit. Praise the Lord. This whole idea that I can just do what I want because I'm free from the penalty, that's a misnomer to the understanding of actually what sin is. Sin is not just what you do. Sin is who you are. So, He has been manifested to take away sins. And sin is not in Him. So, verse 6, Everyone who abides in Him, everyone who is now united to Christ, anyone in this new birth, anyone that is in the law of the Spirit of life, you can be free from sin. Isn't that amazing? Everyone who sins by practice, by this habitual ongoing power, that person has not seen Him nor known Him. In other words, if you and I truly know who God is, if we truly know what the gospel is, we should begin to live a life free from the dictatorial power of sin. Come on, people. Have you all ever heard such a gospel? Okay. <clears throat> Verse 7. Little children, let no one lead you astray. Let no one trick you. Oh, let's just sin so grace can increase. Since we're free from the penalty, let's just live it up. Don't, don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. He who practices righteousness. This person who has the lifestyle of righteousness um, is righteous even as he is righteous. Verse 8, he who practices sin. He who stays in the habit and in the regulation of sin and death, that person is of the... Yeah, it's in the Bible. Y'all can read it with me, really, seriously. That person is of the... So the person who is of God, his practices are being sanctified. The person who is still of the old creation... 
John is very clear, you're actually from your father, the devil, as Jesus would say in John chapter 8. He who practices sin is of the devil, because the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Marvelous statement as to the gospel. What did Jesus come to do? Yeah, he came to absolve me from the penalty of sin. But furthermore, this devilish person that is powerfully locking me up in habitual practices, the Son of God was manifested that he could also destroy that. Here's the question. Can I be free from the power, person, and practices of sin? Come on, yes. Check. Check. This is what Paul says is freedom from the law of sin and death. He goes on, he says in verse 9, Everyone who has been begotten of God does not practice sin. (gasps) And the issue here is not that we still commit sin, because we've, we've got one more item to address. We still commit acts of sin. But the gospel here is trying to focus on that this power, this usurping, domineering power, you're free from that in Christ Jesus. So apparently, everyone who has been begotten of God does not practice sin. A lifestyle of sin. Because the seed of God abides in him. And he cannot sin. Why? Because I'm free from this. This is marvelous. I cannot sin. Because I have been born of God. And in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. This is the word of God. How do you know you're born of God? Well, show me your lifestyle. How do we know Satan is still Lord, powerful, a person, a regulation within you? Show me your lifestyle. According to the apostle here, your lifestyle proves whether you're born of God or still stuck in the old creation. But now here comes the tricky part. Turn back to 1 John chapter 1. Here comes the tricky part. Sin is this uh, force, this entity, this dynamic for which you and I should be punished. That punishment was taken out on Christ. That is the gospel. My penalty is cleared before God. We just read that sin is a kind of a person with power, That makes me practice a lifestyle of sin. According to the proper revelation of the New Testament, my life can change because of the gospel. And you should have such a testimony that by the Spirit, I have been set free. Deliverance really should be our testimony. Not just deliverance from the acts, but deliverance from the bondage and the power over me. 
But then here comes the question, why do I still sin then even though I'm a believer? Why do I still blow it? Well, there's another aspect, beloved, called the presence of sin. And that aspect is not taken away until the resurrection when you and I are glorified. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8. If we say that we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not within us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned and we cannot sin, then we make God a liar and His Word is not within us. Here's the catch as I close. Regarding the penalty, you are free. And should you sin again, all you have to say is, Lord, I blew it. And the Father says, absolutely forgiven, just, righteous. We just have to agree that we missed it. And God will not punish you. The next time you hit your hand with a hammer, it's not God enacting any penalty. It's completely been cleared. And should you sin again because of the presence of sin? You just confess, Lord, I blew it, and the Lord forgives. As far as this power of sin over me, that's been dealt a death blow. Satan is no longer my Lord. Why? Because another person with another power, a higher power, Another person who has another lifestyle now lives within me. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ by the life-giving Spirit. And he trumps Satan. So even if Satan still wants to usurp me, the life-giving Spirit overrules. If I yield, if I submit, if I surrender, and uh, I am cleared and released and free from that power. But that still does not mean the presence of sin is taken away out of you. Until your dying breath, you and I will have what I call residual sin within us. Satan has been evicted from you and I, but his footprints and his thumbprints and the crumbs of sin is still left within my system. By way of metaphor, there is still a little bit of presence of sin within me. And occasionally, because I'm not trained and properly regulated by the life-giving Spirit, I'm not properly sanctified, that residual crumb will rise up and say, hey, let's do this, uh, let's do that. So we have to admit, there is still a little bit of residual sin within me. But that does not disqualify me from living a victorious Christian life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is training me I'm learning to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. And according to God, I can live the overcoming life. And should residual sin rise up within me and cause me to commit some act of sin, 
then by the Spirit within you there will come a conviction. Son, you've blown it. And then by that Spirit, I can boldly say, God, yes, I have actually blown it. We don't deny, oh, I can't blow it. I'm too good. I'm holy. I've arrived. None of us have arrived. None of us. All that the Lord asks is courage. When the Spirit convicts, just say, you got me. Amen. I did it, Lord. Just, just confess. Confession is not on the floor like, oh, forgive. Confession is just, yes, you're right. I blew it. I agree. So you will never be free from the presence of sin. But that does not mean you're going to live a failed Christian life. This is where you lean into the Lord now. Oh God, help. Oh God, give grace. Oh Holy Spirit, fill. I don't need God anymore to do something for me in the penalty department. Done. I don't need God to deliver me from Satan. Done. I need God to fill me and train me and sanctify me in this residual issue. Can you all follow with me? So when Paul says, you've been set free. This is the gospel. And apparently, it is good news. No condemnation before God. No lording of Satan over me anymore. But now, yeah, there is this residual sin that has to be sanctified and trained and regulated by the Holy Spirit. And that might as well take a lifetime or it can take as long as you want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't deal with the presence, the residual sin within you, and you let it begin to sort of just from a crumb become a loaf of bread again and build within you, you could probably get back under the power and bondage of sin. And we've seen many believers who don't let the Lord deal with the crumbs, they get back into bondage. And that's another story for another day. We don't have to, according to the Apostle Paul. When the sun sets free, is free indeed. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of Amen.